Hey everybody, Scott Hogan coming at you again. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Be Epic Podcast. Excited to have you here. Very excited for today. Again, we're getting week by week closer to our showdown with Matt Wolf, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Ricky Fowler. Cannot wait. Then you got Tiger, you got Brady, Manning, and Phil. I mean, this is going to be exciting as we lead up towards hopefully the June 11th start at Colonial with the PGA Tour. So we got some exciting stuff coming up. And so wanted to continue on talking with our instructors, one of my friends from Arizona again. So Milo Lines is who we're talking with today. And if you're not familiar with Milo, he's on Instagram and YouTube. He is Golfletics. And you might see him on there. He has a couple of LPGA clients. He is somebody that I knew from Superstition Mountain. We brought him in. At, he came into the club after I was there. And we brought him in as to help as an assistant. And he became a teacher around there and somebody that everybody was talking about because of his length. And he hits it far, that's for sure. And then, you know, just having that ability and a little bit of confidence to teach really, really well. So I think that's something that's really important as well. But he has that ability to transfer these skills to players, and he's gotten some great results from this. So out there in Arizona, if you follow him, you see he's got mini tour juniors, you know, LPGA professional players that are out there and they're shooting low, low, low scores. And I was excited to talk to him about his philosophy, how he does things to help people get better. And so we can hopefully learn something about how we would apply that to our own game. He has some really interesting concepts about the pivot in the golf swing and how that helps you create speed and where you should be focusing when you're learning. So Golfletics, Milo Lines, here he comes. Enjoy. Hopefully you pick something up as much as I did when we had this conversation. All right. So we're joined by Milo Lines. Milo is an instructor out in Arizona. He is joining us from Superstition Mountain Golf and Country Club. I recognize that beautiful balcony anywhere. So it's a beautiful spot out there. Milo, thank you so much for joining us today. Excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Scott. Good to see you again. Yes. Yeah. Good to see you too. So Milo and me, we work together. Man, this is, well, I left seven years ago eight years ago so that was then i've seen you since when i've been back but uh yeah that was bet since then we've known each other so milo tell let's start off let's tell people one of the things i think is really important in your style of teaching let's tell people a little bit about your background you know junior golf growing up give us kind of the quick run through of that okay so my background is i was not a golfer i was a baseball player i played high-level baseball, had baseball scholarships, and wound up getting hurt, picking up golf my senior year of high school, so as an 18-year-old. So Yeah, my, and you got I, good pretty quick. Yeah, I went from uh, first round of golf was probably in August. By Christmas, I was a uh, better-than-scratch golfer. So that's, you know, I remember hearing this, and I 100% believe it if you haven't seen Milo play. Uh, First off, you hit the ball a long way. That's what you're kind of – I'd say that's safe to say that's what you're known for is your distance. Yeah. yeah, for a guy who's not very big, I can hit it a long way. Yeah, so at Superstition Mountain, Milo, that range is, you know, what, 350 from end to end, and Milo can carry it over the back deck, no problems on good day. You know, not even on good days. You hit, with a range ball, you're hitting it over that. So, um, so you go from – I mean, that's a five-month span. 
how do you go from being a beginner, you just start to being a better than scratch player? Well, the ball striking part of the equation came pretty natural for me. Uh-huh. First time I picked up a golf club, I went out, you know, I hit the standard baseball player slice. Figured, well, that's just because the face is open. I never had any lessons from anybody. I just strengthened my grip a little bit and figured out how to make my hands work a little bit better and turned my slice into a 300-yard little cut. And then, you know, you can kind of play with that. So Yeah. So if you come from baseball, right, you come from baseball, then is there elements of that swing that are helping you develop into – what you were doing at that, that point? I mean, is that part of why yeah. that made that happen? I basically applied my baseball swing directly to the golf swing. And, you know, in my opinion, there's not a whole lot of difference. The biggest difference in the two swings is what your hands do functionally. Because the mm -hmm. bat has no space. It doesn't care where you hit it on it. It's round. Golf club is basically the same thing, but now you've got a face on it, so you've got to figure out how to get the face pointing the direction you want it to go. The bat works around you about the same way that golf club does That's yeah so i definitely wanted to talk to you i have that written down to talk to you about that because what you just said is huge and what i hear all the time but okay so you get to the point you're beyond you're below a scratch player then college comes did you play in college i did i wound up yeah interestingly you know i i didn't get to play any junior golf because i was already 18 10 and when i picked up the game or really close to it but i went up to utah and i was played in some amateur events and happened to play pretty well in front of a golf coach who coached the college team. And he offered me a spot on the spot. So nice. And yeah. there you go. So then you're, you're onto that. And then you played college, came out a little bit of mini tour action, some of that or. Yeah, I played, played in college, had a decent college career. I was, we were, independent we were kind of transitioning from junior college to division one at the time we're in the whack now so mm -hmm. we were ineligible to play in any of the national events so i was all american independent so i was i was a decent player in college thought okay i got a chance to play tour golf went out and played you know i played on back then the gateway tour the spanos tour golden state tour played some canadian tour events Monday into quite a few web.com events. Back then, they were nationwide tour events. So I, I was okay. I just yeah. never quite had the short game to be consistent enough. You know, my, my defense in golf was not very good. So, uh, so it's a little off. I, the short game didn't save me ever. So you had the distance. You had the – I mean, this is even before. This is, you know, obviously very common now. You, you We teach so much get distance, get yards, get to 330, get to 340 if you can get it you had that part, but no matter what you do, that's the separator from somebody that can hit it a long way. But, you know, hey, you go out and tour, and all of a sudden you need that defense mode, as you say. Yeah, it's, you know, if you're driving yeah. down the middle, hit on the green and three-putt, doesn't do you much good. That's true. Or when you hit the green, it's an automatic bogey. That doesn't do you much good, and that's kind of the, the realm I lived in. You know, my scoring average every year was right around 70. So, you know, I shoot under par most of the time. But – if I missed a green, it was like 80% chance I'm making bogey. So yeah, That's that, that part of get sharp. I'm better now than I was then. Just don't have the desire to go play. 
So right, there's different priorities in life, right? Isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So all right. So then you transition golf into the golf industry. Now you're a teacher. So you're coming in. You're teaching the game. Where has let's let's talk about your journey as a teacher. Then how did that start out? What was kind of your philosophy when you first started? And how has that kind of progressed as you've gone along? Okay, so I never really intended to get into golf, to the golf world. When I, after my professional career ended, it was 2007. So you can just think of the timing here. I got yeah. into the real estate world and real estate tanked and slowed down. So all my real estate clients and contacts, they liked to play golf and they had nothing to do. So they started inviting me to play golf figured out I was a pretty good golfer and started picking my brain on teaching them. So I just basically taught, taught them what I knew. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I got good fast. So I applied my baseball knowledge to golf. And so my original philosophy was that the golf swing and the baseball swing are pretty much the same. You just had to figure out how to get the face square. Um, then I went through working under other instructors, learned a lot. You know, I've learned, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe, but there's a lot of other ideas out there about how to swing a golf club, more pivot driven, less pivot driven, less body driven, more hands and arms driven. So I've learned how to, I learned how to teach that. And then I learned the things I liked about that. And I still use that for certain individuals and for other individuals I don't. So I've gone kind of back toward my original roots. So yeah, now you're into from what I can tell very much more into the pivot. And like you said at the beat, just a few minutes ago, you said uh, hands are doing some different things. What, what are those hands doing when you're going through a golf swing currently? So what do you, yeah. The, the biggest difference in a baseball swing, when you hit it, you hit it with your left palm or your lead palm facing down and your lead and your trail palm facing up. Mm -hmm. The only difference in this and a golf swing is that. Right right there. So if you can figure out how to get your, your palms facing so back of your left hand facing kind of toward the target and the palm of your right hand facing toward the target, then you can square the face up and you can use your same pivot driven baseball swing to hit the ball. So you'd say that's the number one thing. I know for me, everybody comes in, well, hey, why are you not very good at golf? Uh, oh, my baseball swing is what kills me. And that's the detriment to what I do. And I actually have, and you'd say that's exactly the opposite. I say it's the opposite. I give them a, I, I always carry a baseball bat in my, my golf teaching bag and I'll give them the bat and I'll throw them some soft toss and see how bad their baseball swing is. If their baseball swing is actually good, I'm like, well, this is awesome. We can figure yeah. out how to apply this. If their baseball swing's terrible, I'm like, okay, your baseball swing's not killing you. <laughs> right. Your baseball not any good. Right. So. I like that. What, what it, so what, where do you think then? Okay. So what is the, the problem then? Why do people take a, a baseball, even if they're, let's say they're a good baseball player first and they have a good baseball swing. What's the, what's the reasoning why they can't figure out, like you just went out and figured out on a range, do this. And why can't people do that in golf? It's, it seems like it's extremely difficult to do for a lot of people. It is. I think a lot of it has to do with they don't relate to the face. So they, mm -hmm. they because the face is wide open, they immediately stop using the baseball swing that, that gets the, the bat or the 
the golf club working around their body correctly and they start coming over it trying to square that face up and then they've got a new can of worms all new problems you got path problems and face problems originally and that leads, almost, into... And that leads into a lot of new things yeah. almost every ball player i get the first few swings i'll video they're right on plane they just mm -hmm. hit them straight to the right because the face is wide open yeah and then they try to fix it in different ways than just fix the easy thing right yeah they never fix the right thing they fix the wrong thing and then you're in trouble if they fix the face first and then just keep applying that rotational motion because the i've never seen a baseball player swing over the top you know they always it swings around them just perfect right so when you say they never swing over the top is that over the top relative to like their body or to like where their plane line the actual like if you draw a plane line on a video if you draw a plane line on a, a, a batter basically the plane is perpendicular to their their torso the bat always swings perpendicular to them so when you swing mm -hmm. a golf club or you bend down so that the club swings more or less perpendicular to your body yeah and baseball players naturally get that bat rotating around them basically perpendicular to what how they're rotating so on a low pitch they tilt over more on a high pitch they turn level yeah and that's all and that's all reactionary too that's that probably plays a little bit into it for yeah. those guys yeah but the, so, bat, the, the physics of how that works is you know you, you can make the most speed by getting it to work perpendicular to you it's the same thing with a golf club it goes faster if it's working kind of at 90 degrees to your your body rotation okay so as they're working on this so you take a new player then let's go to the so a baseball player they understand this concept they or that you know maybe they don't understand it they just do it more naturally but you get somebody that all right hey we've got this baseball swing i'm giving them a soft toss and it's uh it's a wreck where do you go with that person first i build a pivot so first thing i do is i i take their hands and arms completely out of the golf swing and I teach them how, how their body's designed to move, how it's supposed to turn back and turn through. And so we'll do a lot of little chipping shots with no arms. So you basically have straight arms, a lot of just pure turn and have them just learn how to, learn how to get their body to rotate correctly and, and kind of stay centered and put pressure from the right to the left. So, okay, and then with that, if they keep, let's say, I've heard you use this term passive arms, passive hands, or like you said there, you have them just have them keep them straight. Naturally, then the golf club's going to kind of want to fall into that 90 degree or perpendicular to your torso position. Yeah. Automatically. Yep. Yep. So every player I do that, you just have them leave their arms basically straight, turn back, turn through. The club works perfect. And then the, the next step is we just add in a little bit of lever. So you're going to let them hinge their right wrist a little bit. Got to make sure it hinges the right direction. Let their right arm yeah. fold. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you, you go through this process and it's so crazy how simple it is. And then to me, it makes sense uh, as somebody that studied this and you see this, but where do you think people get to a point where, I mean, you see some of these swings that come on where is the disconnect in 
all right, hey, you're going to move your body in this way. You're going to get the club to travel around you, but then you're going to use your wrists. So let's let's clarify this first. Your wrists are the part that square the face. Yeah, your wrists and arms yeah. together. There's some there's some rotation in your arms, but Correct. most of yeah. the squaring of the face is done. You know, the face is square to begin with, right? So when we're addressing mm -hmm. the ball, the face is more or less square. If all I did is just hinge my wrists correctly and leave them hinged just like they are and just turn my body back to the ball, the, the club face returns square again. It just returns later relative to the rotation of your body. Now, do you see, do you see maybe as a, a way that people are not getting back to this or not getting this? Is this a in an effort to gain power? Is this a misunderstanding? Is it all the above? Is it? A lot of times people are trying to gain power and they're trying to power everything in the wrong way. And they swing it back and they kind of really fire their hands and arms and they feel like that's powerful and their, their hands tend to travel in the wrong direction. You know, when you, when you transition into the downswing, your hands don't go toward the ball in the beginning. They're actually working back up and away. They're not going that way. Hopefully, mm -hmm. if they are, if they go out toward the ball, you're, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, in your opinion, how are you powering the golf swing? Mainly with the pivot. The, the okay. arms definitely do engage, but, you know, for me, as kind of a natural athlete, I power my baseball bat with my legs and my pivot. So, it's the middle of me is doing all the work and it sends the, the force out into the outer parts of me, out to my hands, not right. my hands first. Right. So, so that's where we start here and all of this, you know, people that pay attention to anything in the golf instruction world, they hear about ground reaction forces. There's where it is, right? It's exactly what you're talking about. Forces is, the, the ground reaction forces are a reaction to how your middle of your body moves. So if your pelvis moves correctly, you start to put force into the ground correctly. Okay. So for me, that's where I focus. I focus on basically from the belt to the ribs. How does this stuff move? And if we can get this stuff to move right, all the other things we want to have happen start to just happen. Interesting. And, and do you have people just try to let those things uh, you know, I see drills where people have them swinging rope, things like that, or, you know, just feeling an object swing around their body. Is there anything that you have them do to just kind of make them feel like, hey, this is not, this is a feeling you don't need to worry about, or is it just, we let it happen. We work again, pelvis to the ribs. There we go. It depends on the student. You know. Okay. What another thing I notice is almost everybody fires their pelvis up in transition and spins it, where okay. good players actually do the opposite. They're they're putting they're sinking into the ground. They're actually not putting pressure into the ground early. They're actually feet waiting. So as you transition, your knees are losing are gaining flex, and you're kind of sinking into the ground. It's like getting ready to jump. If you want to jump really high, first thing you do is you kind of squat into the ground. Right. Same idea. If you want to create a lot of rotational speed, the first thing you have to do is kind of sink into the ground. Mm -hmm. So, which is everything you're describing. If you your company, your business, golfletics, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. 
where so golf in general i mean if you can play any sport you can apply this to golf and you can get that pretty quick you can get this yeah, that's, that's kind of my how i've built a business that's pretty busy is i figured out how to apply what somebody already knows like most people have played something and mm -hmm. almost any game relates directly to golf a sport's a sport the way you move in any sport's pretty much the same and I played most of them. Any, I played all the ones that have a stick and a ball or a racket and a ball mm -hmm. and at a fairly decent level. And so I can relate to, to that stuff. And I can help somebody learn how to apply what they already do to this one. That's awesome. I, I work with a lot more younger kids, I think, than what you're working with on a typical basis. But to hear you say that, that's exactly what we work on. We work on ball and stick mechanics. We don't work on golf swing. We work on... How do you take a stick and hit a ball and make it do different things? And it crosses over. Yeah, that's the one difficult thing. You know, you know, you know the demographic here at Superstition Mountain. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's mostly retired folks. My clientele tends to be the members of the club, and already high-level players. Generally, is kind of what I'm getting. So I don't, I don't have a ton of juniors, and the juniors I do have are already really good. Right. It would be fun to be able to build some of them from the ground up. Yeah. What uh, What do you take then when you get a high-level player? What's kind of your – and they're probably going to be most likely at different places, but what is kind of your priority list when you get a high-level player like that then? What are you trying to do with them? Make their movement patterns athletic, not golf. Yeah. So that's the first thing I do is I look at how their movement patterns are, and if they look like – what golf was taught forever, a lot of lateral slide to the left, tilt back, flip of the hands. Immediately we give them a bat and take them to batting practice. So why is it important to you to make it more athletic for a, com a competitive player? Because if you want to compete with the best players out there, you better be able to move it. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's for very sure. far with a lot of flippy, rolly, tilty things so we've got to make sure that it's that the pivot of our, our our pivoting action is is more athletic and more dynamic so it's it's got a mechanical advantage it's got a advantage as far as ball flight because it's usually going to produce more speed more distance for it, sure we, we hope right yeah yeah i don't think i've I, there's not one of the players i work with who hits it shorter now than they did when i started with them so yeah is there a do you think there's an advantage from a you know a performance side to keeping it more athletic yeah it's more natural things that are things that are naturally athletic tend to repeat under pressure when you're nervous things mm -hmm. that are not require timing and tempo you get nervous those things change so right it's a lot more repeatable when it's just a natural motion yeah, I, I love what you're saying there, because I think when I hear you say that, because, again, I work more with, I coach college, so we have to do, I don't get to work as much with their mechanics, I have to work more with their mindset and performance, but it's exactly what you're saying, it's just athletic. I try to keep the game as athletic as possible, like if I was to play basketball, you're going to catch and shoot, how can we take that idea to a golf shot where you have a lot of time in between, you don't, you're not catching and shooting. You're mm -hmm. you got all this time in the world to think and, but you don't want to. So I like it. I like what you're saying there. Of, all right. We got to feel athletic. You're building this athletic 
you know, overall mindset to what you're doing. And at the end of the day, kind of like what you did, you just go out and you learn how to shoot, get the ball in the hole and shoot low scores. That's basically, I try to turn everybody into ball strikers like me, because that's the one thing that I'm okay at. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think about it. You know, I just go out there and whack the golf ball. Mm -hmm. So one of the things so, I've done with a lot of the high level players is I'll give them a stick and a, we, I throw them balls or I have them hit balls while they're moving and watch how, and I'll video it and have them watch how they move and see when you're not thinking about it. And when you're being athletic, see how these things start to move. And then we try to build a golf swing that looks more like those movement patterns than what you know, a lot of them, you see them jumping up in transition. So, and if you jump up in transition, something else has to happen so you can hit the ball. So you throw your arms down real fast and you have to roll it. So you see a lot of flip. And just so for people that are clear, when you're saying jumping up, that's like early extension, correct? Yeah, you could, you could stay away from the ball, but the pelvis would be rising first in transition. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't see that in any really good player. You, right. Almost everybody who I've ever seen or measured on gears in transition, they're actually sinking. They're not going up. So, you know, a lot of young good players, you see them jumping up really early, which is not what you see the best players doing. Always a good thing to pay attention to. You mentioned gears there. So what role does gears have? First off, you have access to it. Do you own it? Uh, I, have, I have. So I'm lucky enough. One of my really good friends and students owns gears. So I have the software and I have hundreds of captures. So I've been, I can go through and basically I don't use gears so much for my, as a theoretical thing or anything. It's just, it basically substantiates all my ideas in the beginning. You know, I, right. I came up with golf swings and athletic motion, the same as all the others. And I've seen gears captures of baseball swings and gears captures of golf swings, and they're really dang similar. They're a little less rotation in a golf swing because of the face. You know, you're, you have to be able to square the face up so you can't quite turn as much. But mm. I use So when you're seeing – when you're seeing that, the more your body, the more you're pivoting, the more your club fit, the more you're pivoting, the less the club face is going to rotate or, you know, for people that yeah. get that, that's shut. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Which is why when you see a baseball, if you ever watch a slow-mo, I challenge people to go out there uh, and watch a slow-mo of a baseball swing. If you see a guy that takes an inside pitch and they don't want to just yank it 20 rows foul, Watch They're how really, the body pivots. <laughs> they get really open and they pull everything in close and keep the yep. the barrel pointing into the field because if they just if they don't turn and throw the bed head, bat head at it, they hit it in their dugout. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so then gears you use technology. What you're not using that on a teaching regular basis. You're using that more yeah. as a, it's more a research tool, maybe. It's been a research tool and just basically substantiating. You know, it's giving me some backing for the, the ideas I've. I didn't really come up with them, but the ideas that I have is, is the ones I want to teach. So then, what's your lesson setup look like then? Because I think that's important. We talk a lot about tech, uh, and this podcast on this channel, and you know, trying to dive into it a little bit and its role in 
golf basically. And so for you teaching and trying to teach an athletic move, teaching a you know, golf athletics way, what role does it have when you get out there on the lesson tee then? So I don't, all, the only tech I really have on the lesson tee every day is a tripod and a camera. It's usually mm -hmm. my iPhone or my iPad. And so we do a lot of video. Um, when I'm dialing in things for players, I have a flight scope X3 that I use, um, but I don't get it out every day. It's something more for doing wedge work with somebody, learning to control distance, dialing in a, a driver that we want, um, checking some small things, but I don't really need it. I can tell what's going on without it. Um, yeah. So generally it's just a camera and the camera is mainly for the student, not for me. I know what I want. I just use it to show them, this is what you're doing. I want you to feel this and it'll make it look like this. Yeah, I think, why is it important for your, the student to have the camera? So they can see what, that I see what, when I tell them, this is what you're doing currently. And this is what I want you to do. And then when they do what I want and they see the difference, then they can put two and two together. So. All right, last question I've got for you. Uh, going to go short game. We're talking so much about athletics. I am so curious about short game. Milo knows my trials and tribulations with short game. If he remembers that far back, how much I struggled with it. And it sent me on a mission to learn why my short game is the way it is. So hearing somebody that fellows, you know, Hey, short game wasn't their strength, but it's become a strength for you. What changed about your short game? What were some of the ideas you had to change for that? Everything that produces speed goes away in short game. So that compressing into the ground, that rotation, those ideas, they create lag, they create problems in general for short game. So what I like to see in short game is you almost want to feel like you're staying tall or even rising a little bit so that the angles can get unloaded. We don't want we don't want angles to be held in a lot of compression into the golf ball. You want to you don't want good smash factor. You want you want no smash factor. You right. want softness. And so for me, the biggest thing that changed for me is learning how to not compress into the ground and want to make speed because that's like my natural thing is my body wants to make the club go fast and it mm. wants to create angles and you don't have time in a short shot for that. You need to be able to figure out how to get the angles to unload. Um, and, and especially nowadays with how fast greens are, with how greens or green complexes are set up, you don't want, you want max spin, you want the friction, but you don't want the ball speed because that, that you need that ball to stop. Fast. Exactly. You want to be able to use the golf club so you can, you can get a lot of spin and some trajectory on it and get it to stop. And that was always, mm -hmm. that was never my strength. And I was always good out of the bunker, but I was never good off of a tight lie with not much green to work with. I could hit the little low checkers, but I couldn't hit anything soft. And right. so that's been kind of where I've gone to work. Yeah, and what you're talking about too, with for people out there that try short game stuff, anytime you're holding angles, you're not exposing bounce when you're doing those things, which then when you got a tight lie, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare so for that. The biggest keys I find for short game, it's using bounce and also being able to control the radius. So the, the bottom of the arc needs to be fairly flat. 
you don't want a lot of descending angle in your in your down in your in your short game shots. So then to create that, do you have a lot of, you know, I think there's kind of depending on who you go. And I think you could be successful on both ends of the spectrum, but do you prefer more hand action, less hand action? I'd prefer a player to be able to use, to know how to do both, but kind of stick with one. You know, you see there's a lot of players, some of the best ones have no hand action. For me, that's hard. I feel like I can hit like a stock mid trajectory shot like that, but I can't hit a spinner. And mm -hmm. so if I'm going to put, hit a little floaty spinner in there, I'm going to, there's going to be more hand action. Um, You're going to unload it a little bit more at the bottom. And I'm going to let it, let it set and, and make it unload. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I've seen him hit this shot. I, I do remember you hitting this shot and he can, you can put some, some sauce on it. That's for sure. I've seen <laughs> that. So Awesome. Well, Milo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Hopefully we get the golf season. I know we've got a couple I want to, I can't wait for to see play, uh, especially on LPGA tour. I know there's a couple we want to see out there and hopefully it works out for where we can get out and play and watch them and see how they do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping I know that they just yeah. pushed it back by now. So it's, 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 it's crazy. Okay. I mean, down where you're at, it's not so bad, but up here it's, you know, I just went to the store and you got to wear a mask and you got to do all this crazy stuff to even go into oh, the store. So. Well, you don't have to here, but you see it every, you know, everywhere you go, it's like the apocalypse. <laughs> right. Right. So, well, we're hoping it works out. So uh, again, thanks for joining us and taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to talk. So I appreciate that. Thanks Scott. So there you have it, Milo Lines right there. Uh, really, really awesome conversation there. Somebody that you could see he is not afraid to have some theories, have some discussions about the swing, and then go and figure out if it's the best way to go. And really not just do things the way he did it, which is I think a lot of instructors try to do, especially when you start out. I know I did that was all right what did I do and then what you don't realize is that that's not the best for everybody and so you have to go figure out the ways that you can teach the most people and get your ideas across what are the core ideas that you're doing so as you can see he uses gears to substantiate that and make sure that they are correct so that's awesome data data filled data backed instruction philosophy that is what we like to see and that's something that will stand up over the test of time again if you go follow Milo Golfletics on Instagram, you will see, he's also on YouTube, you will see some of the scores that his clients are putting up. He's a fantastic follow, somebody that you should pay attention to. So I can't thank him enough for coming on and giving, a, giving us some of his time out there in Arizona. Also beautiful backdrop for those that were watching on YouTube that saw where he's at. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Again, if you like this, make sure you click that subscribe button. Make sure you click, leave us a comment. Let us know if there's anybody we should reach out and talk to. We'd love to do that. So we have more guests lined up. Make sure you don't miss out on them. And thanks so much for tuning in to the Be Epic podcast. We will see you in the next episode.